everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to J.T. Hellstrom's Revenge. Nikki Newman hit J.T. Hellstrom over the head with a fireplace poker and presumed him dead on April 13th, 2018. And then J.T. Hellstrom finally reappeared, showing his face at the Abbott cabin window on March 19th, 2019. It only took us 11 months and one week to get here. That's 341 days. That's 48 weeks. It's only 93% of an entire year to get here. Ah, but who's counting? I don't know about you, but I feel great. <laughs> I just feel really, really great. Just seeing his face. I feel like I've been holding my breath for a year now, and I'm long past the point where I'm starting to feel lightheaded, long past the point where my face is starting to turn blue, and then just as I'm getting ready to flatline and die on this storyline, suddenly I can breathe again. <sighs> J.T. Elstrom could have come back, tap dancing into that scene, carrying a hat and cane, singing, how about my elaborate plan? And that would have been just fine with me, fine with me. <laughs> and you know what? Now that they've trotted him out, why not just show us a shepherd's crook creeping in from one side of the screen and then hooking JT by his neck and dragging him off stage. Move over for the next act. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Anything's possible. Nothing matters. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, what a relief. What a, uh, uh, just what a relief to finally see him. Let's start out with a poll question, okay? Whyrchat.com. What is your preferred outcome for JT now? Now that we've seen him, now that he's here, now that we know for certain that he's not dead, what do you want YNR to do with him? Do you want them to kill him some more? <laughs> do you want them to send him off to prison never to be seen again? Do you want to see him reformed? YRChat.com, what do we got to do with him now? What are we doing with him now? <sighs> Poor Thad Luckenbill. That's all I can think. Poor Thad Luckenbill, because he's a great actor who has given us great, gritty performances. And this character of JT that he originated is now always going to be overshadowed by this stinker of a storyline. You know it, I know it, YNR knows it. They had to fire a writer to finally get it to end. It had gotten so ridiculous that YNR clearly had to spend time rewriting, I think, refilming and tying up.
of loose ends. There are so many damn loose ends to all of this. There's so many damn unbelievabilities and impossibilities here that we just have to laugh it off. <laughs> we have to just make the best of this and be glad that it's almost over. I mean, it is almost over, right? Please tell me somebody, everybody, please, that it's almost over. <laughs> because whatever the outcome for JT is, we need to get it to somewhere that's not this. <sighs> One little interesting loose end that YNR bothered to tie, and this is a fun one because it's something that we YNR chatters have been speculating about for weeks now. Why didn't the Newmans or Billy or anyone ever just show Katie a picture of her imaginary friend? Show her a picture of JT and just ask her if that's him. Ask her if that's who she was playing with, who was behind the walls at the ranch. Well, YNR gave us an explanation this week, letting us know that Katie could actually never see the mystery friend's face. Even though she was asked to draw a picture of him, and she completely did. She drew him in, in like a cape. <laughs> she drew a picture of the mystery friend, but oh no, forget about it. That was, that was just must have been also in her imagination, because all along, she could never actually see the mystery friend that she was playing with. She could only hear him. And the reason that they know it's J.T. Hellstrom beyond a doubt is because he was bothering <laughs> to, in the process of taunting the Newmans, he was bothering to sing a song to Katie that happened to be a song that he was singing to read as a child, and we know beyond a shadow of doubt that it was J.T. Hellstrom because it's a song that J.T. Hellstrom wrote to sing to read. That's how we know. That's our irrefutable proof that J.T. Hellstrom is alive after all. So there you go. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> it's unbelievable, but it's fun. All week I was thinking to myself, this is ridiculous, but why in our chat is going to be a blast. <laughs> uh, gives us something to work with, I guess. Okay, one of, I think, probably the biggest unbelievabilities in the storyline of the week is how readily Ray was able to just jump right on board. Ray was now all of a sudden totally willing to risk his career and his life and his livelihood to help bust JT, to help draw him out of the woodwork. Nick and Billy finally decide to explain the details of the Newman Ranch security cameras and the planted evidence that they found at the ranch to Ray. They finally bring him into the loop, which they could have done at any time. They could have told Ray at any point and saved all of us a whole lot of trouble, not to mention that this is evidence and information that would most definitely have helped the women at trial. But today suddenly became the day. Today was the day to tell Ray, and Ray just believed it. Ray just went, all right, 
the information <laughs> that was given to him totally convinced him that JT Hellstrom could really still be alive and that Ray should help come up with a plan to draw JT out of the hiding that he's been in for the past year because if JT's not dead, then no crime was committed against him and Ray suddenly feels obligated to make it right. So Ray helps arrange to break Nikki and Sharon and Victoria out of prison while they're being transported from Genoa City Jail to the correctional facility. Everyone else in the world is watching the news, the breaking news, that these three women have escaped. The rest of the world thinks that the van they were in crashed and the prisoners got away, but really this was all Ray, Nick, and Billy's plan to bring the women up to the Abbott cabin where they can snuggle up with warm blankets and hot tea and become sitting ducks for for JT to get them. <sighs> I do not, I would have been so mad. If I was Nikki or Victoria or Sharon, I would have been so mad that they needed to do this, that they needed to potentially get me into more trouble. <laughs> Tacking, escaping from prison onto my sentence, I'd have been so mad at them. But since we know that this was the rescue effort, it's a little bit hard. I am also, I will say, I was forgiven Ray a little bit more this week. I've been mad at him ever since he turned Sharon in, but the fact that he turned around and decided to help her, I was back in, mostly because of that phone call that they had. I mean, we're up at the cabin. The women are like, oh, great, you broke me out of prison. Great, this is so helpful. Whoa, we're going to go along with this plan. To, oh, you think JT's alive? Oh, well, that song, yeah, well, that makes sense. So the women are up there, all with their loved ones. Like, Victoria's got Billy there comforting her, and Nick's there comforting Nikki. And Sharon gets this phone call, a moment where she can just talk to Ray. And it just felt like a boyfriend and girlfriend in grade school who've been grounded and not able to speak to each other. And they're able to steal, this, oh, steal away this five-minute phone call. And they're both saying, oh, there's so much I want to talk about. There's so much I want to tell you. And it was appealing. I find Sharon and Ray to be an appealing couple. If I can't have my Nick and Sharon, I think I would be really all for Ray and Sharon, except I don't think that's going to happen, and we can talk about that down the road. I think Ray is toast. <laughs> but Ray's plan was toast with jelly on it. The plan is to lure JT to some random warehouse that is owned by Dark Horse. They're going to lure him to a warehouse to trap him and then arrest him. And knowing that JT probably still has bugs all over Victoria's house, Nick and Billy go to Victoria's house and have a whole bunch of ridiculously obvious conversations with each other, <laughs> trying to plant the bait in case JT happens to be listening at this empty house. 
that Victoria doesn't live at anymore because she's in jail. But JT just so maybe happens to be listening to these microphones and Billy and Nick are planting these seeds that the women have escaped from prison and they're headed to this warehouse. So they, they're counting on JT to want to go to that warehouse to confront the women, to find the women. I don't know what exactly makes them think that he wants to do that, but okay. Meanwhile, <laughs> while Nick and Billy are busy having these conversations at Victoria's house, they've left the women all alone in the middle of the woods <laughs> with nothing but a couple of dopey security guards keeping an eye on them. Team of private security officers, my eye. I don't think so. Both of those security officers got whacked over the head, had their uniforms stolen faster than a Looney Tunes cartoon. <sighs> my officer What's-His-Face is lying out there in the cold with nothing on but his boxers while JT shows his face wearing one of their security guard uniforms. <laughs> very happy when I saw JT's face. I mean, a round of applause came from this household, I can tell you that. I was hoping, though, that you would turn out to be a twin. I'm looking at his face, and I'm going, ooh, wait, but wait, maybe that's not JT. Maybe this can be the twin twist, and that would be sort of interesting, but no, no. It was JT, all right. JT Hellstrom single-handedly knocking out all two of those private security guards outside of the cabin, and then single-handedly cutting the power to the cabin, cutting the phone lines to the cabin, and sneaking in and grabbing the one cell phone, the one source of contact to the outside world that the women had, and smashing it into a million bases. The women figure out that JT must be outside. It's all of a sudden gotten dark and scary in here. <laughs> Definitely that's JT coming to get them. Quick, everybody, grab a weapon. <sighs> you might have to defend yourself. So... Victoria goes to the kitchen and grabs the only legit weapon. <laughs> she grabs a knife. Okay, good job, Victoria. You're the only one with any brains. Nice choice. Sharon goes to the fireplace mantle and grabs a statue of a leaf? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess it had a pointed end on top. So, all right, fine, Sharon. You go with your leaf. <laughs> but Nikki, <laughs> well, Nikki... Grabs the only weapon that she's ever able to grab. The only weapon she ever grabs when times get tough. The old fireplace poker. Oh, the look at her face. Oh, the fireplace poker again. She might have to do it twice. <laughs> I honestly do not know how Nikki would ever be able to defend herself in any situation if she got herself into trouble in a place where there wasn't a fireplace, <laughs> there must be a fireplace poker in order for Nikki Newman to defend herself. But oh, this time, the fireplace poker is no match for J.T. Heltram's gun. He's able to get into the cabin. He zip ties all of the women's limbs. He zip ties them at the wrists and the ankles. <laughs> and he holds him in hostage at gunpoint while he decides to catch everyone up 
on what he's been up to for the past year. What I Did on My Summer Vacation by J.T. Hellstrom. Well, apparently, <laughs> on the night that Nikki hit him over the head with the fireplace poker the first time, he remained conscious enough to have this sort of awareness of what was going on. <laughs> he seemed to be somewhat aware that the women were burying him alive. He made a comment about the feeling that he had knowing that they were shoveling dirt over his body, that it was sheer terror to him. And in this semi-conscious but apparently unable to move any limbs or give any indications of life <laughs> state, JT was also able to figure out uh, somewhere along the way that the spot that the women buried him in was on top of an old storm drain, okay? <laughs> it, was a, it was an old storm drain. You following? You guys get, getting this, right? You getting this? <laughs> His body's on top of an old storm drain, and the weight of all that dirt plus JT's body apparently broke the old storm drain and it sent JT through it and on a really fun Wisconsin whitewater rafting trip through the Genoa City drainage system. <laughs> this is so fun. I don't know if he remembered any of that or if he just figured it out later because he specifically said that he woke up. He came to consciousness holding on to a limb in the river. Oh, I'm still alive. I'm still alive though. Whew, what a trip. <laughs> and he's just been basically monitoring the women, keeping track of them, listening to them, taunting them for the past year, ever since. <laughs> he was also able to track them down at the cabin only because he just so happened to be following that prison transport van because he wanted to personally see Nikki and Victoria and Sharon be escorted to their new home at the prison. So he was following the van and he just, when the, when the van didn't go to the prison, went to the cabin, he just followed it to the cabin instead. What luck! What luck! As JT's explained in all of this, <sighs> His elaborate plan, it's clear, you guys, that he is suffering. He is suffering from some kind of head injury. Now, I don't know if this is a head injury from when Nikki hit him with the fireplace poker a year ago, or I don't know if this is a brain tumor or a brain injury that he had all along that Weiner's going to use to explain his stark personality change. I don't know. But he's grabbing his head and his eye, and he's, oh, he's, oh. he's, <laughs> he's saying, make it stop. Just don't go. I got to make it stop. And I don't know if he's talking about the pain, make the pain stop, or I don't know if he's talking about maybe some voices in his head, make, the, make that stop. Just he's saying, make it stop, make it stop. Well, what a coincidence. Because make it stop. 
then to take the fireplace poker, that fireplace poker, and he starts to, you know, rather than just shooting him, just ping, 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 do it, just shoot him. You've been waiting a year. You went through all of this. Just pick him off. Three and one. If you line it up correctly, you might be able to get him all with one bullet. But no. He grabs the fireplace poker. And he starts smashing up the place. Just smash, smash. Smashy, smash. JT, smashy, smash. I mean, this is a violent man. He's like physically violent. And he doesn't, he's got him right there. He could just kill him. But no, no, smash, he smashes the fireplace. So he starts smashing around. And the idiot accidentally hits some kind of vac, some kind of like gas valve on the fireplace. Okay, so in a world of a million other loose ends and inconsistencies, I have so many questions about this fireplace. All right, so is this a real fireplace? One that needs fireplace pokers? Or is this a gas fireplace, one that needs a gas valve? Because I guess it's both. Apparently it is both. <laughs> I don't think that whoever was writing this knows anything about actual fireplaces. Because <laughs> either you got a real fireplace and you need the fireplace pokers to stoke the wood, or you have a gas fireplace and you don't need the pokers. I guess this is one of those combo fireplaces, okay, where you get, it's a real fireplace and you gotta poke your wood and get that wood going. But if your fire starts to peter out, what you need to, what you need to do is install a little gas valve next to it. So if the fire goes out, you turn on that gas valve and kind of woof that gas toward that open flame. Really get that fire going some more. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm watching this and all this other stuff is going on and all these other inconsistencies and I'm like, what's with this fireplace? Why would it have a gas valve? Why does it even have a gas valve? <laughs> but, because we need this added layer, right, of danger. Added layer of danger. JT's breathing in this gas. He's, he's suffering some more, talking about, oh, they're so loud, it's so loud. Gas valve. Spraying into the room. Everybody, I mean, even the women are like, <coughs> and JT's just breathing in this gas. And eventually, he passes out pretty quickly. He passes out before anybody else. But, ah, oh, he's passed out. There's gas spraying into the room. And the women are still tied up, sitting on the couch, hardly doing anything to even try to save themselves from what's going on right now. Haven't they ever even heard of hopping? Work those thighs, ladies. Get up off that couch and hop toward freedom. Hop, hop, like little freedom bunnies toward the door. <laughs> try, try something though. All they're trying is <coughs> hop, will ya? Hop. Um, also, by the way, poor Sharon in all of this. Sharon barely had any lines. I mean, they're trying to reason with JT. Victoria's talking, trying to make it seem like, oh, I still care about you, JT. And poor JT has this moment where he goes, I know you don't. I know you don't care about me. I know you don't love me. I've been listening to you. He almost seemed a little hurt. <laughs> he almost seemed a little hurt that they didn't think well of him. Or a little surprised, you know. They don't like me. They don't even like me. I'll just take my fireplace poker and I'll go elsewhere. <laughs> Nikki's trying to convince him. Say, if you got some problem, it's with me, JT. 
I'm the one that you, you just let everybody else go. And meanwhile, Sharon's over here knitting. She's knitting like a scarf for Ray or something. I felt bad for Sharon. Wrong place, wrong time, all the way down the line. All she ever wanted to do was throw Victoria a little party, which I think was Mariah's idea even. She just wanted to throw Victoria a little margarita party to help Victoria forget about her breakup. And now here she is in the middle of this mess. Don't worry too hard, though. Don't you worry too hard. The rescue squad is just outside the Abbott cabin door. <laughs> Billy, <laughs> Billy would have been inside minutes ago if Phyllis hadn't decided to show up and argue with him. Those two stood outside of the cabin arguing for a while when they could have been inside capturing JT, saving the girls, and preventing any of this gas mess. <sighs> From the previews of next week's show, Nick and Victor are going to show up too. Don't worry! The rescue squad is just outside the door. We're going to be just fine. I'm sure Ray is on his way to rescue Sharon. Unless Ray's too busy being back at the station getting Fired! Oh, to the M to the G. Paul Williams is back. He is back. I literally cheered at my screen. I got this weird rush of adrenaline the second I saw Paul's face. Like seeing Paul, the character, come in and fire the other character who pretty much took his place, it is real clear that YNR Mal Young went nope to Paul and yep to sexy new cop Ray. They just swapped them. I mean, pretty much Ray got Paul's job in terms of what's going on on our screens on Genoa City. I mean, they pretended like Paul was still there, but he just mm, quietly went away. And it felt so good. I bet it felt so good for Doug Davidson to walk up in there and say, you thought you could fill my shoes? You're fired. You thought you could fill my gum shoes? You're fired. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, not that I want Ray to go away. I like the actor a lot. I actually really like Ray a lot, but it felt good to see Paul. <laughs> and it felt good to see Paul potentially firing him. It does not look good for that Rosales family chatters. Oh, that's the sad thing. That's going to be the sad consequence of all of this. I think the Rosaleses are not going to survive the next couple of months. And I can think of one Rosales in particular who might as well just right now buy a one-way ticket back to Miami. Hey, remember that time that Mia and Arturo apparently slept together? Yeah, me neither. Because <laughs> it didn't happen. Because it never happened before. Now, retroactive continuity. Retcon for short. Look it up. This was a rewrite. This never happened. This was never intended to happen. And this does not bode well for either Arturo or Mia's place on the show. Mia might survive. 
I could see Mia surviving. She's been a bad girl since day one. It's what we expect of her. But Arturo? No, no, no. Arturo was supposed to be a good guy. Arturo was supposed to be the good guy that Abby finally deserved in a long line of bad decisions about men. Arturo is engaged to Abby. And now, as of just a couple days ago, out of the blue, he is just nothing more than a lying liar who cheats. He's a cheater and a liar and a hypocrite. He's gone. He is done. YNR is done with Arturo. Bet on it. But Mia, I don't know. I'm not sure about Mia. She is so desperate to hang on to Ray that not only would she fake a pregnancy a couple weeks ago, but now what she's doing is blackmailing Arturo into making Arturo convince Ray to take her back. And if Arturo doesn't do this, then Mia's going to tell Abby that they had sex. Okay. Convince Ray to keep me or I'm going to tell Abby we had sex? Oh, it's just, my hair blew back when all of that happened. Uh, My hair blew back when all of a sudden we were thrust into these black and white flashbacks showing us the scene that we never knew happened. This rewrite, let me tell you. It didn't even fit with the episode. It didn't even fit with the show overall. Mia is threatening Arturo in this one scene. They're in her hotel room at the athletic club. We've seen these flashbacks. She's telling him, I'm going to tell Abby we are sex. Arturo leaves Mia's hotel room and goes right to the hospital with Lola, where he is all smiles and all happiness and all support at Lola's bedside. Not even a hint of what had just happened with Mia. Those two scenes were filmed weeks apart and then just dropped in. And that's fine if that's what YNR had to do to fix all of the whatever that the show had become. But I don't see the problem with the Rosales family. I don't know why the Rosales family can't stick around. I wanted to keep them on the show, particularly Mia. I like Mia. I think she's drama. I think she's great. I think she's all the things that a soap baddie should be. I don't know what they're going to do, though. Like, uh, now that we're being told that Mia and Arturo slept together, are they just going to decide that she is actually pregnant now? Is she now actually magically pregnant with Arturo's baby? Even though she was most definitely two weeks ago not pregnant at all because she had to pay someone for their pee? And another little weird, where'd that come from? In the previews, <laughs> Arturo is deciding to take this situation into his own hands and tell Abby himself that he slept with Mia. And then the next thing we know, we see Abby walking around in a parking gal- garage with a hammer. <laughs> Yikes. I mean, presumably she's not ready to go take that hammer to Arturo's prized pickup truck, which is kind of great. See, we are seeing the writer's 
pencil and eraser marks all over the page right now. This is them erase, 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 crash, 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 and then we're seeing it on the screen. Wednesday's episode's writing was credited to both Mal Young and Josh Griffith dually, if you look at the credits in that show, as in Josh is taking Mal's old stories, making some edits, making some erasures, tearing out a few pages, and maybe even cutting out a few characters. That is what we're seeing right now. I think the Rosales family is going to be cut. And it's probably by fan response. I've heard other people say that the Rosales family is just not popular with fans. I don't know why. Um, and I, But I also wonder if Abby's character is getting a reboot, too. I mean, maybe a lot of this is not only the new writing team, but also some response to that CBS poll that we took several months ago. I think YNR knew they had some work to do to get this show back to where they wanted it, and they wanted to know specifically what it is that the fans actually want they asked us we told them and we're seeing the results of that right now i think that the fans probably voted more doug and more eileen davidson so we're getting paul and ashley back i think for some reason people just voted that they wanted less of the rosales family and admittedly i wrote in a response that i was having some trouble caring about abby i mean of all the characters that i decided to actually single out and talk about in that poll abby was the only one so maybe yanr's giving her a little bit of a reboot too i mean shoot put a hammer in her hand and maybe you can change my mind in all of this talk about what Lola's reaction will be when she realizes that not only was Summer her liver donor, but that Kyle married her as a part of that deal. It never occurred to me that maybe what Lola's reaction will be is grateful. You know, I assumed that she would be angry or hurt, but I'm almost wondering now, just based on her demeanor prior to going into surgery, I wonder if she is going to be grateful for what Kyle and Summer did for her. Maybe she will choose to let Kyle and Summer be together uh, and not to interfere and just kind of step aside as a gesture of respect for the person, um, for the people who saved her life. They will have saved her life. Uh, and maybe that is where her head will be. Summer and Kyle do seem to be growing closer. And Summer is in a position right now where she is never going to get more of Kyle's attention. She's got it. Kyle is doting on her through every step of this surgery, he's reassuring her that everything's going to be okay. And when she says, I love you, as she's being wheeled away into surgery, he says it back. For the first time, he says it back. And I don't think he expected to say it. Honestly, looking at him after the words came out of his mouth, he looked surprised. Maybe he was even surprised not just to have said it, but to have meant it. Like, however he meant it, 
like whatever version of love that he was feeling for Summer, he it was there and it came out of him. He also had an opportunity to throw Summer under the bus if he wanted to. He had an opportunity to confide in Abby. Um, she pressed him really hard when she found him at the hospital in the waiting room, supposedly there just to get an update on Lola's surgery. But so clearly he was there also because Summer was in surgery too. And even though Abby was pressuring him, to just open up and like, you know, if Summer did, if Summer's blackmailing you, then just blink once and tell me as if it, you know, if it was something he wasn't able, as if it was something that he didn't have a choice in going along with, but he didn't throw Summer out of the bus. He kept his word. He didn't let on to Abby or anyone else what the deal was that Summer was even the one in surgery. So he just insisted to Abby that this is what love with Summer looks like. And maybe that's true. Maybe this is just what their love looks like. They're two complicated and weird and dramatic individuals. And maybe this is just it. Uh, Kyle even tells Abby, why can't you just be happy for me? And there was almost something in him saying that that seemed uh, true or just seemed like maybe he meant it. Uh, it was also interesting, I thought, that even Arturo gave Kyle a chance to redeem himself. Arturo confronted Kyle in the waiting room and said, you know what, why don't you just tell us? Is Summer the one who's donating the liver? Because maybe I would have some actual respect for you if you just married Summer to make this liver happen for Lola. Which is something that I think it would have been compelling for Kyle to want to acknowledge, but he didn't. He didn't bite. He didn't take the bait. By the way, just zeroing in on Abby for a millisecond here, it's really become clear that Abby is feeling increasingly conflicted with all of her family loyalties. She's she's an Abbott, she's a Newman, and she's getting ready to try to become a Rosales. And every family handles their conflict and their grief differently. And it was interesting to see Abby try to talk to not only Arturo this week, uh, but also to Ray in the hospital and to try to comfort him. It's clear that Abby wants to be part of this family, but Mia had also gotten into her head about that earlier in the week, saying the Rosales, they just don't handle things the way that you do. You know, and I think that made it had an effect of making Abby feel isolated. And I don't know if that is part of the old writing or if that's part of the new directions. I'm not sure exactly where it's going to fall uh, on the fence with that. But I mean, anyway, you slice it. That relationship is toast. Oh, there's a lot of toast this week. <laughs> I must be hungry. Um, so at the very end of, I think it was Tuesday's show, Nate comes out into the waiting room at the hospital and he gives everyone the update that Lola's surgery has gone smoothly and everyone in the Rosales family is so very happy. But then Nate confides in Kyle privately that Summer's surgery didn't go quite as well. So I'm wondering now if Summer might be in a 
coma or at the very least a very weakened state for the next few weeks. Uh, and, and I think that is going to possibly continue to solidify that marriage, maybe make that marriage come true, maybe make Summer's dream come true that it, it will become legit. I can see uh, Kyle's attention potentially shifting away uh, from Lola and now shifting into devotion for his wife and the woman who maybe he does love. In last week's poll question, I asked you guys if you think that Anna is a good girl or if you think she is a secret bad girl. Now that was mostly revealed this week as 65% of you also happened to believe that Anna was a mostly good girl. It turns out that Anna's seedy bad girl secret is that she's helping her father pay for his medical treatments. <laughs> so confirmation, Anna is, as it stands now, a mostly good girl. So this is very exciting. <coughs> With a big old stash of cash inside of an envelope inside of her purse, Devon follows Anna to and well, I guess it's an extended stay hotel room. And I mean, just like my head was spinning with possibilities about what on earth Anna was going to be doing inside of this hotel room. What could she be up to? Could she be in there with a lover? Many lovers? Could she be in there with a drug dealer? A secret child? I mean, never did it occur to me that she was going to be in there with her father. Devon and Anna share a mother, but we didn't know anything about Anna's father. And so, boom! Anna and Devon have an instant extended family. Kinda seems like it's Rosala's family. Out. New Hamilton Winters extended family. In. I mean, I wish we could have both. <laughs> it's probably not possible, but I mean, I'm very into this. First of all, I have to say, I am very into Anna's dad. I don't, I couldn't quite tell what they were saying. Is his name Jet or Jess? Please, YNR, let it be Jet. Please let this man's name be Jet. That is so soapy. And Wyatt doesn't usually do that. Like Bold and the Beautiful, you got Thorn and Ridge and Storm and these soap opera or Harlequin novel names. Jet, though, that is right in that vein. I love it. I think that the actor is extremely attractive. He has total presence. Like, I want Anna's dad to be on full time. I love him. I love that he's like this former superstar. As soon as Devon walks into the room, sees the guy, looks at him and goes, 
what are you doing here? You're, you were basically a singer superstar at a certain point in, in like what, I don't know what he said, the nineties, two thousands or something. He's like some big shot singer on his dad. Of course, this makes sense. He's like, this is a talented musical family. He was some big shot singer, but he got sick, had to fade away into the background. Anna's helping him get these medical treatments and they're working, she says. I wonder what it is he's suffering with. I have no idea, but I would love to see him continue to climb through the t- the charts and make his way back over to Hamilton Winters. I just love Jet. <laughs> I don't care if his name is Jets. He's going to be Jet to me. Like, I am Jet's fan now. And I'm also really hoping that Jet's nurse, her name is Elena, is going to be the love match for Devon. I think we can kind of guess that that's where it's going to go. First of all, uh, she's gorgeous. I mean, she's got she's gorgeous. Like, b- b- right away, as soon as I saw her on the screen, I was like, ooh, who's that? Who is that? She's got to be somebody. Um, she also was revealed to be Jet's niece. So she's kind of related there too. We're all family. This is our new family. Is that a conflict for a relationship with Devon in any way? Like if she's a niece, she can't in any way be related to Devon, right? So this is very also soapy because it's sort of related but not related, right? I think she's great. Uh, I think the chemistry between her and Devon is already there. I mean, she was already putting him in check, saying that Devon was causing too much of a stir. Her patient needed some rest, and she kind of kicked Devon and Anna out of the hotel room. Um, The actress, by the way, uh, also has some soap cred. She was apparently on General Hospital. I should have looked up who she played, but I did not. I just know that she was on that show. So she's somebody. Hmm. You know YNR is going to have to cut some more salaries to be making room for these new salaries. I mean, if she is a soap star, she's getting paid. She's not, she's, she probably had to get herself a nice little deal there. And same for the actor who's playing Jet. So I don't know. (sighs) Yeah, I think that it's out with the Rosales and in with our new family. I also can't help but feel like Elena is getting the original spot that was intended for Carrie. I always said, I thought YNR was bringing Carrie on as a match for Devon. And I guess that if Carrie hadn't gotten sort of unsuccessfully paired with Jack, maybe that's where the direction of the story would have been, but it's out with Carrie now too, and I think I'm gonna like Devon and Elena plenty better. Carrie is not helping her polka dot door image when she walked into the Abbott living room blanket fort thing. What the hell was that? That has got to be one of the most annoying and bizarre things that I've ever seen on this show. It took me a minute to even figure out what was going on in the Abbott living room. There were sheets all over all of our beautiful furniture. I thought maybe at first that there was a remodeling going on, but then there was just like two stuffed 
cats thrown on top of all of these sheets that were on top of the furniture? Apparently, Katie and Johnny were playing some kind of game with Jack, but I was like, could somebody please call Mrs. Martinez and get this crap out of our living room? Unacceptable. <laughs> How about a nice fresh new floral arrangement and not all these sheets and stuffed animals? <laughs> it was offensive to my eyes. <laughs> oh, the fun and games are over. For Carrie and Jack, no doubt about it. They're over for me. Uh, and I think that Jack might be getting there too. Was it me or did anyone else think that Jack was maybe giving her a good long second look at, uh, after she seemed particularly uncaring about the fact that she was betraying Phyllis by filtering away information from Jabot. Yeah, I, the more I think about it, the more I think that Carrie is most definitely working for Ashley. I mean, she's a chemist. She took over Ashley's old job. And if you think about it, Ashley left town just after learning that Jack and Kyle had tried to shred her patent inheritance. They tried to keep something from her that their father wanted for her. And she didn't really do a whole lot about it. She just took her patents and went to start a competing company in Paris. But it makes complete sense to me that on top of that, Ashley would want revenge. And she could certainly do so by planting Carrie in her old spot. Ashley would be poor poised easily to do that. And thinking also back about uh, on when Carrie first came onto the show, do you remember how Carrie had Phyllis and Billy and Jack all competing to try to be the ones that would bring her to Jabot? Phyllis even used Carrie's employment as a bargaining chip to get herself voted into the CEO position. Uh, Phyllis was saying, well, since she was able to bring such a heavy hitter to the table, she should be elected CEO. So, yeah, I think it's all starting to make sense now. Carrie has had them all eating out of her hand since day one. Livers sometimes fail for no reason at all. Did you know that, Wayner Chatters? Just no reason at all. You're walking along, living your life, and all of a sudden, boom, liver, fail. <laughs> Well, that was last week's Who Said It quote. It was a little bit of a tricky one because it was Arturo who said that last week. He was talking to Lola, explaining her condition to her and giving her a synopsis of Dr. Nate's expert diagnosis. It was a little bit of a hard one. A lot of people thought it was Dr. Nate, understandably, but uh, only, what, five of you guys actually guessed that it was Arturo, so congratulations, Henry, Sandra, Jamie, Linda, and Diana. Very, very good. How about this one? Just a simple one word. You tell me who said this word. Rar. <laughs> Just somehow feels right for the week. Rar. If you think you know who said it, head on over to yrchat.com to leave your guess. And if you get it right, then I will give you your shout out on next week's YNR Chat.
Well, you know, if I could go on nonstop for an hour just talking about three episodes for the week, then you know I had a whole lot of comments coming my way. So let's dig into those. First up, Sandra says, I wish March Madness was last week. Now I've got March Madness. What a week to preempt. No kidding, Sandra. Can you believe it? Of all the weeks (laughs) to have a short week, this is the week we've been waiting for. I mean, granted, basketball fans have been waiting all year for their sweeps, but damn it, so have we in this instance. (laughs) Oh, Shakona says, at this point, I feel like they should have just left JT dead. This story of him having some sort of a brain dysfunction to excuse his bad behavior is just not cutting it for me. I didn't like it when they turned Jenna into a terrible human being and blamed it on a brain dysfunction, and I certainly don't like it now. Just bring him back as the terrible human being that he has become without blaming it on a sickness, and let's work on getting him back to being a good person. Great comment, Shakona, because first of all, I believe I, I agree with you. I don't really like that on top of all of the other unbelievabilities here, we have to deal with some kind of brain dysfunction. But I also really love that you mentioned Jana. Now, this is Jana Fisher, I believe, who you're talking about. Uh, this was Kevin's first wife uh yeah she was always a little bit kooky but out of the blue they just gave her a brain tumor and then she became a murderer and it's a little overdone it's intended to just be a quickie rewrite or a quick quickie write out that is all they're doing they do not care about this jt character enough And they're just trying to do something quick. I wish they would care about him because like you, I would rather just see us dig into his character and really truly understand where he's coming from. That would be a much much more preferable outcome to me. I wonder how the poll results will be this week, how you guys are hoping that Weiner actually does handle JT's character from here on out. Soapy Lama says, I hope they have a greater explanation for JT being alive, uh, coming up, knocked unconscious with a barely there pulse, and buried alive and drowned. I think you'd have more of a headache by then. More than a headache by then. Uh, Yeah, you know, you can't even kill this guy. Can you believe it? I mean, if he dies now, now, after everything that he's been through, no. Just no. Oh, Gary reminded me of the fact that JT was pill popping a couple of times before he actually got uh, semi-murdered or before we thought he was murdered. And I thought, oh, that's very interesting because I wonder if YNR is going to bring that back around. Is that going to finally be explained? Is that going to play into the whole brain issue that he's got? Or is it going to be a separate thing? Is YNR going to bother to tie that loose end as well? I don't know, but it would be um, interesting. 
Daisy says, I would rather JT have some operable head trauma stemming from the car accident, which is causing him some pain and personality changed, worsen, of course, by Nikki hitting him on the head. But once he has the surgery, he can be back to who he was before the car accident and won't even remember the past few months. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I wonder. I wonder if they're going to do that, give him some kind of surgery that will give him some kind of amnesia and then restore the character. Um, Daisy also thinks that Phyllis is involved with JT and mentioned that if JT was going to end up having some kind of amnesia after all of this, that would help Phyllis cover up her role in it. Um, yeah, I guess I hadn't really thought about Phyllis being involved with JT. Um, I think Daisy had mentioned that maybe Phyllis had gone to the cabin because she was working with JT, not because she was interested in helping the women. I just think that YNR loves the character of Phyllis. It really seems, you know, I mean, these are new writers, but it really just seems like they like to use this character. I'm not sure if they would after everything, the, all of the, the betrayal that she just laid out upon the women, I just don't know if they would take it a step further and make her involved with JT as well. I, I just never would have thought about that. Um, Superplex says, at this point, I'm starting to feel sympathy for what JT had to suffer uh, for what he's uh, gone through. You know, I feel the same way, Zuberplex, and I think part of it is because I remember the character from when he was first cast onto the show. And when YNR brought him back last year as this abusive character, I always wanted to understand him even then. Why did he have this personality change? I mean, I think we've been asking for that for longer than a year. And I want the answer, by the way, to not be a brain tumor. Like, that's that's not meaningful to me. I would rather have an understanding of where JT is coming from. Like, maybe he watched his father abuse his mother as a child. I mean, we don't know anything about his parents. Maybe he's been fighting these destructive and violent behaviors for his whole life and something happened that became a catalyst. Like, I would rather actually sink my teeth into the meat of JT's character rather than just writing it out with a quickie brain tumor or something. But then at the same time, I know that I've just been asking for it to be over, over, over. And maybe this is YNR's way of doing it. Just do something quick, get us out of this as quickly as possible and move on to something else. Just shift the attention. That might very well be their strategy. That might be what they had to do. It's just too bad that like JT's whole character and whole whole selfness had to be sacrificed for it, especially because I think Thad Luckinbill is a very talented actor and I would like to have gotten more of him. That's part of the reason why I would have been happy if he would have turned out to be a twin. I know that the twin is tried and, and true and uh, I mean, you know, it's kind of old, but I don't know. Oh, let's shift over into these Rosales family dramas. T. Nicole says, if I'm getting this right, Mia slept with Arturo and then the same night complained about Ray spending the night with Sharon. And then she proposed to him to renew their vows. And then Arturo, right after sleeping with Mia, proposed to Abby. If that's true, just wow. <laughs> Uh, well, it would make sense as to why Mia was seething as, as much as she was watching Arturo and Abby get engaged. 
Well, that, yes, that probably is the continuity that Weiner is, um, has decided to go with. I think they're implying that Abby, or I'm sorry, that uh, Arturo and Mia slept together during the furnace night incident. Uh, I think there was two parts to that whole furnace. First, he came in and fixed the thermostat, and then he went away and came back later and fixed the whole furnace. Uh, so I guess what YNR is telling us is that he went away, he resisted, he tried to do the right thing, and then he go, decides to run upstairs in a fit of passion and go make love to Mia. And yeah, I would think that was the same night that Ray and Sharon were off. I mean, I think that's what YNR wants us to believe. I think it's probably, once again, in the vein of, we just need to re write this real quick, we're going to get rid of Arturo. We're going to just get us out quick. Don't think about it too hard. We're just done with these now. Here's the new direction. That's what I think that they're doing. Gary says, do you think that that storyline flashback was planned out in advance? Um, and he, he, Gary also notes that it was taped with the you know art pompadour identical to the present. Um, or uh, Gary asks, is this possibly a new direction that the writers just thought up, and does it matter? I mean, that's the million-dollar question right there, Gary. I think it does matter. I'm very curious to know this. I think it's absolutely plausible that that flashback scene with Arturo and Mia was absolutely recorded recently, and I don't think it was at all a planned twist all along. They could easily just pop the actors back in their same clothes on that same set. I was thinking that Arturo's hair even looked different. It was shorter in the scenes where he was at our, uh, at Lola's bedside and it was longer in the new scenes where he was making love with Mia at the apartment. No doubt. In my opinion, my humble opinion. Diana says, I understand that Lola is Arturo's sister but I still think Arturo has a lot of nerve telling off Kyle when he has slept with his brother's wife for a second time and has cheated on his fiance. What a hypocrite. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, all of this flies in the face of everything that Arturo said that he was. Cheated with his brother's wife twice. The connection between he and Mia is that strong? I don't think so. I think that uh, th the only thing that makes me want to defend Arturo is the knowledge that this is a rewrite. He originally resisted Mia. He left the apartment. He did the right thing. And it was in that context that he was judging Kyle's actions. It's only now that we have this new continuity that Arturo looks like the scumbag. He looks like the hypocrite. It completely decimates Arturo's character. And that's our signal that he's gone now. Hope nobody loved Arturo because he's gone now. <laughs> It's going to be in another couple of weeks, we're going to see the actor confirming his status with the show on Twitter. He's going to be tweeting out, yes, I can confirm that Marturo is taking a break from the show or whatever. You know. Leslie says, Arturo telling Abby the truth about Mia so quickly is a sign of his exiting soon. If he was sticking around, it would have for sure been drug out to have have been a reveal at the altar or something like that. Yes. Okay, first of all, yes. This fa the fact that Arturo is telling Abby is we need to get rid of this character as quick as possible. Get done with him. Done. 
Because you're right. They, Reiner would have played it for dramatic effect and had something at the altar if it was anything else. Um, it's all leading to the, uh, all of the Rosaleses being exited. Um, as Leslie says, the Kyle marriage with Summer doesn't help Lola. Devon insisting that Lola cannot be the chef. That feels like Lola's exit cue. Um, Arturo slept with Mia. That's the rewrite to get them both out. And Ray helping to the point that he lost a jo his job. That's his exit. We still have the reveal that Ray covered up for Mia too. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's the thing too. Ray's going to get found out. Um, Leslie says, I think Mia might go psycho and maybe even attempt to kill Sharon or Abby, but maybe she ends up only killing Ray or Arturo. That's an interesting idea, Leslie. So maybe then letting these guys go out quietly, maybe one of them's going to die. Oh, but yeah, you know, I, I hadn't thought of it as, as precisely thinking about Lola's character too, but it probably is every single last Rosales one by one. It's a shame. Uh, Naomi says, I like Mia a lot. She is never boring and she's so beautiful and not in a typical soap look either. Uh, like the other, she doesn't look like the other women on the show. I agree, Naomi. Um, all of the Rosales families, uh, I mean, of all of them, Mia is the one I would most want to keep. Ray is probably second. Um, Naomi also mentions that Abby needs to move on because apparently Arturo only wants married women. Yeah, I mean, there's no recovering Arturo now. He was with Nikki, and then he was with Abby, and now he was sleeping with his brother's wife. He's done. Superplex had a little follow-up from last week. Uh, we, I was talking about Summer's relationship with Austin and how that colored some of her future relationship. And Superplex says, actually, Allie, Austin was never a killer, uh, as I mentioned last week, uh, uh, Austin wanted to win the confidence of the mighty and powerful Genoa City power structure and wanted to expose the seedy underbelly that lies beneath the patina of respectability in a documentary. For some reason, that was considered his, his sin on the show. Uh, but as far as Summer is concerned, she really became jaded after her engagement with Luca fell apart, and he was whisked away for sabotaging Newman Enterprises. Yeah, I don't know what made me think that Austin was a killer. There was something with Avery, wasn't there? I should have looked that back up, but for some reason I was thinking that Austin turned out to be a murderer, or his body got murdered. He, he, yes, that's what it was. Didn't he fake his own death or something? That's what it was. Summer found her husband, like, dead inside of the Abbott curio closet at that cabin, but he wasn't actually dead. He was doing a documentary on them. Is that what it was? And then, yes, uh, her Summer's relationship with Luca turned out to be disastrous. In some ways, Summer and Abby just have the same trajectory uh, with their relationships, they always pick the wrong guy. Maybe they have more in common uh, than they realize. Sandra says, I think we're going to be surprised by what happens between Kyle and Summer. From the preview, Lola will be fine, but Summer's surgery didn't go well. It's been rumored that Summer will go downhill and Kyle will be by her side. I think some deeper loving feelings for Summer will develop on Kyle's part and the real dilemma will be that Kyle truly loves Summer in a very different way than he loves Lola. 
To be honest with you, that would be my preferred outcome, Sandra. I really, I like um, Summer and Kyle together. So if, if that's kind of where it heads, I, I mean, I hate to lose Lola. I mean, I still like Lola. I think a whole lot more could have been done with her character, but I just always like Summer and Kyle more. Leslie says, um, as I was listening to your podcast from last week and your comments about Summer and Kyle, I was thinking, you know, you could sleep with someone that you don't love, but you can't sleep with someone else when you love somebody. And so therefore, Kyle doesn't love Lola. That's a good, really, really insightful comment, right? How could Kyle be truly in love with Lola and then go through with having sex with Summer. Great, great observation, Leslie. Well, let's talk about uh, Carrie. TB84 says, while watching the last episode, I noticed and felt that Carrie might be feeling something real for Jack, even though she is definitely plotting something with someone. But when Jack asks her to go to the park with him and the kids, I saw how she looked at him and that maybe her feelings were honest. Or she's just playing the game and she's playing really good. I Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Are Carrie's feelings for Jack genuine? The only reason I would lean towards saying no is just knowing that the actress is being written out of the show. I just think they're trying, Weiner's trying to go with the quick ending when it comes to these guys. But I don't know. T. Nicole says, I wonder if the syringe that Carrie was carrying around for hormone injections to freeze her eggs will play out in her secret plan, or will that just be forgotten? Well, if I had to guess, I'd say probably forgotten. <laughs> I think that was going to be Mal one of Mal's twists, but I think Josh has a different twist for Carrie, and it's tied into bringing Ashley back. I mean, I don't know. I don't think that Ashley would ever have wanted Carrie to physically harm Jack. I think if, if Carrie is involved with Ashley, I think her revenge is purely of a business type. Um, I don't know what it means for any kind of authenticity between uh, Jack and Carrie, though. Yeah, we'll find out. Zooperplex says, oh, it's sad. Alzheimer's is the depressing last chapter of life. Uh, yes, Zooperplex, Carrie and Jack were talking uh, around about Dina this week. We haven't even heard her mentioned in a while. And I wonder if that's a little hint that YNR heard what the fans were saying in that poll. I haven't heard anybody say, I dislike Dina and I don't want her. So I think that was YNR not really being able to do anything about Dina, but wanting to toss out a little nugget to remind us that she's still there. Uh, and Jack was saying that, um, that, you know, she's, someday she's good, someday she's bad. Um, I mean, that, Dina... And her Alzheimer's was another major Mal Young story. Is there anything that the new writers are planning to do with her? I, I mean, what are they going to do about Dina? Dina is a loose end. She was a pretty major character. They're going to have to do something with her eventually, right? All right, no recovering from Alzheimer's. Unless they just decide to give her not Alzheimer's and some kind of other disease instead out of the blue. But that's unbelievable, too. So it's either that or we're going to have to have a funeral for her. And ugh, I just don't want to. Tina Cole. Great, great question to bring up right now. Do we think Fen was just a temporary plot device and won't be on our screens anytime soon? Or is he coming back 
to be a part of Anna's storyline. I thought for sure that we would see a romance between Anna and Fenn. Also, with having Fenn on our screens, I thought we'd get a lot more Michael and Lauren, not just lawyer Michael. Okay, well, I think Fenn's done. If they if there's a character that they do not have a major storyline for right now, I think they're done. I do not think they're going to take time to develop little Fenn right now, unless they want to do a triangle with Kyle and Summer, but I think Fenn is done for right now. Uh, but it, it, um, it, it is interesting because it did seem like he was going to be tied in with Anna, but it's they have gone in a different direction with Anna. And, I mean, I mean they can repurpose Fenn, certainly, but I just... Part of me thinks they're not gonna. I've been happy to see lawyer Michael, by the way. It seems like we always see either Lauren or Michael, and it's never both of them at the same time. So I've been happy getting the Michael. I'd be happy to get some Lauren and Michael. Maybe the writers uh, will listen to the poll results on that because I have a feeling that there was a strong uh, support for that couple uh, in those poll results, I bet. Oh, Zuperplex says, this Elena character makes me very suspicious. Basically, her means of support is entirely contingent upon her cash cow, her uncle. If she keeps him sick, she guarantees her continuing source of income. Consequently, what reason does she have to help him get better? Oh, mm, could she be a baddie? Could she be a goodie and a baddie or maybe just a baddie? Yeah, there is a wide open book, right? Weinar could do whatever they want. I mean, considering she's a so veteran, I wonder if they're going to want to keep her around and develop her as the romantic lead for Devon. That was just where my mind was headed with that, but you never know. Ugh. Okay, so from Soap Opera Digest, we do have an update on Kristoff. Here's the state. Here's the um, here's the article from uh, no yes yeah, soaps and death. Kristoff's attorney Mark Garagos confirmed the news to USA Today in an email saying, "Sadly, we can confirm on March 19th, CBS Los Angeles reported." that the L.A. County Coroner's Office reported that Christoph St. John died from a heart disease combined with an accidental alcohol overdose. So we have an official cause of death for Christoph. It was um, heart disease and alcohol overdose. Um, Sandra left me a comment to let me know that on April 25th and 26th, we will have Neil's funeral and memorial service. Sandra says, get the tissues ready. Shamar Moore will be making an appearance as Malcolm. Uh, and then on the 29th of April, there'll be a tribute show to Christoph the actor. Victoria Rowell and Michelle Morgan will be on it. Uh, that's not a YNR episode, but it'll be the actors talking about Christoph. Oh, is it bad that I dread it? I, I mean, I, I, I just, uh, there's just this part of me that doesn't want to fully go through the process of losing him. I guess that's normal. Um, or, you know, I mean, we've been through the process of losing Kristoff, the actor, and there's a part of me that just doesn't want to go through the process of losing Neil, too. Doesn't it, it just almost feels like two things. It almost feels like a double punch. Um, but I would be sad if YNR didn't acknowledge it. So I know that it's something that we have to do. I know it's something we can't ignore. We, we just have to, as Sandra said, get our tissues ready and 
do our best to grieve and mourn and maybe find some moments of happiness too. I, uh, to, you know, just remembering him and what he's given to us and, um, the happier times, how wonderful that Shamar Moore is going to be coming back from that, uh, for that. I know he's given a couple interviews about Christoph's death and just had nothing but wonderful things to say about him, a lot of respect for him. So, um, how, I, I don't know, how are they going to address Neil's death? What will it be? I mean, will it, what will they do? Some kind of accident, are they going to say? Um, is it going to be different from how Kristoff died? Are they going to try to parallel it in any way? Uh, I just don't know. Ugh, it just makes me sad all over again. It just makes me want to cry. But I, I, I really like, I will say, that YNR's doing two things for it. They are addressing the death of the character, but they're also doing a special episode to pay tribute to the actor. That's really special. You know, I, th I think that is the right thing to do. I feel bad that I'm, I'm dreading it. Just, uh, uh, but I think that is the right thing to do. So April 25th, 26th, and 29th, we will um, have the funeral service for uh, Neil and the memorial for Kristoff. On a lighter note, uh, several people had commented on my Allie Jr. story from last week. Uh, I had a lot of people say that they grew up watching soap operas and they turned out just fine, so don't worry about letting my little one watch the show. And I wanted to give you guys a bit of a follow-up note. Um, now... Every time my daughter sees Kyle or Summer on screen, she immediately starts making the air kisses. <laughs> I don't know why she zeroed in on that, because they're certainly not the first couple that she's ever seen smooching on the show, but I don't know, maybe that just, it just resonated with her, Kyle and Summer, and when they were on the show, let's see, it was like Monday and Tuesday, just even them at all being on the screen, I heard her, <laughs> Oh, life goes on. Well, uh, just on a, a end note, this week we had the Daytime Emmy nominations, and notably there weren't a lot of YNR nominees. Uh, Peter Bergman was nominated as lead actor in a series for, for his role as Jack Abbott. Uh, Gary had called in and rem uh, kind of pulled out um, uh, specifically the fact that there were no lead actresses nominated this year from YNR. That's odd. No female uh, leads from YNR decided to submit their reel. How interesting. Uh, we did have Best Supporting Actor, Brighton James, for Devon Hamilton. I hope he wins. This has been a good year for Devon. Um, uh, Best Supporting Actress, Beth Maitland as Tracy, and also Michelle Morgan as Hillary. Oh, what do you think? Who would win that? Okay, what if we had to pick? Tracy or Hillary for Best Supporting? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. That's hard. And uh, then also for Best Younger Actor, Zach Tinker, the guy who plays Fenmore. So isn't that interesting? He's, he's, he's missing in action right now, but he went ahead and... Submitted himself for a, a Best Younger Actor nomination. We'll see if he wins. Um, YNR, of course, was nominated for Best Series, Best Directing, etc., etc. All of those show, uh, <laughs> those show categories. But one award that I think we can count on them not winning this year, Best Writing Team.
Oh, <laughs> I'm exhausted. I think I used up all of my energy of talking about JT. I'm sure you guys are wondering, was she drunk during that? No. No, that is just how I feel. <laughs> That's 100% pure Allie. <laughs> I mean, I had to get, I'm in my prison blues this week. Did you get, did you notice that? I got on my prison denim. I wanted to really dress the part and really, I mean, I was into it this week. I love my Y&R. What can I say? I had a lot of people uh, commenting. Uh, apparently I must have hit, um, I have a thousand subscribers on YouTube. I didn't know that. Uh, I, 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 to be honest with you, I don't look at that very often. I, um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, not trying to get subscribers or anything. I just got, I just love to talk about YNR. I, <laughs> I just love YNR. Um, although, but thank you for the congratulations. I, I love talking to you guys about the show. I mean, I, I think I got to get it out. One way or another, I got to talk about YNR. And my therapist is just sick of hearing about it. <laughs> Oh, just kidding. I've never seen a therapist, but maybe I should. <laughs> oh, I just love my show and I love my YNR friends. Uh, and um, I really appreciate your participation over the past 10 years. Plus, I hope you guys are enjoying it and I hope you come back next week to talk with me. You can go to YRChat.com. In the meantime, I'm always posting stuff there throughout the week. I mean, I think I must have got a hundred screen caps this week from just three episodes. There was a lot of good ones. I just see these little moments and I must capture them and maybe someday I'll go back and look at them. But I, I hope you guys are enjoying those, um, all of the photos and all of the games and all that stuff. If anybody can think of any other games or anything, uh, please let me know. I still have website updates and uh, other features that I'm planning to add there just with the move that took away a whole lot of my attention. I haven't had a chance to sit down and actually do any programming, but I do have some improvements that will be happening there in the future. Um, right now I'm just focusing on day-to-day -day and episode-to-episode. -episode. <laughs> it's going to get better. I think it, I hope it is anyway. I have, I have faith that it'll get better. Um, and even when it's bad, it's a little fun. So, uh, so that's just where I'm at with it. Okay. I, I'm exhausted. I'm going to go take a nap and try to recover <laughs> from all of the craziness. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day, wonderful rest of your week, and I will see you next Sunday. Mwah. Bye.